Hello, and welcome everybody to Sound of Music, a movie worth remembering, according to Andrew, number 94. Uh, I had just watched this movie a week or two ago, uh, maybe maybe it's almost a month now, but uh, it was really good, and I wanted to talk about it, because uh, I had a lot of thoughts on it, and there's, um, you know, some people have kind of dogged it on various things, uh, mainly how uh, our main character, Maria, kind of steals, you know, she's supposed to be a nun, and she uh, kind of steals away uh, this guy from uh, someone that he had a committed relationship to and was about to get married to. Um, and so I'll address that, and then I also want to address the, so there's kind of an A and a B plot, A plot being uh, Maria and her her growth, and then the B plot is um, the changing of the guard, as it were, uh, in Austria, and Austria being annexed by uh, the Nazi Germany during uh, the prelude to World War II. And how all that stuff happened. But I think there's kind of a lot of interesting things there. And it's like, I think the Nazi part of it can be a distraction from what the actual kind of story and message of the whole thing is. Uh, so that is why I wanted to get into that. Um, so for the for the main plot, we got a Maria. And so one of the issues that's leveled at her is... You know, she's this irresponsible person. She doesn't listen to the uh, man of the household, uh, Captain Von Trapp. And uh, this is true, but it's also true and very obvious from the very beginning that, um, you know, both of them are the quintessential extremes of both the tyrannical male and the tyrannical female. So uh, the captain is like strict order, nothing out of line, run this place like the, he runs his ship kind of thing. Uh, and while that's good like you need that order and that structure uh within a family and within uh, someone's life uh it was obviously to a extreme and then you have maria coming in who's uh the quintessential uh female uh kind of tyranny where you know there are no such thing as rules kind of thing she does as she pleases uh is not disciplined never uh shows up to the nunnery on time and is doing things that she's not supposed to all the time, and that's why she's sent off to be the governess of these uh, seven children. And so you kind of have these two conflicting things, and then when they, they kind of come together eventually uh, at a later uh, point in the story, uh, they they actually work really well together. So uh, And they curb each other's uh, worst, ex- worst excesses. Uh, for example, when uh, Maria ignores the captain's wishes uh, when it comes to having the children play, uh, yet she defers to his authority when it comes to having the children participate in the singing competition uh, that the family friend Max is trying to push uh, onto them. She also defers to him when it comes to the decision uh, as to whether not, or not to leave with the uh, the Nazi regime coming in and whether or not it's safe for their family. Uh, so she does defer to him on certain things. Uh, and, you know, her obstinance was right in the beginning when, you know, some of that you know, there had to, in every relationship, there's give and takes and stuff like that, and uh, it it was and is rude what she did, but it um, sometimes you got to do that to get people to come to the table and talk and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think it's fine. I, you can definitely take it as it's not okay, and what she did, she should have been thrown out. Um, I think one of the examples that I've heard is. Uh, you know, if she was the governess and you had a wife and it wasn't, wasn't her kids kind of thing, um, then it's, and they aren't her kids until she gets married to them. But 
it's different when there there is no mother in the household. Uh, he's running things. He's off a lot of the times. And she's basically hired to be their mother in a certain extent. Yes, she's supposed to be like the governess. It's kind of running the household, the nanny kind of thing. I mean, even nannies, they, they take a lot of the roles of the mother on in a certain ex extent. And, uh, you know, that's where uh, sometimes these richer families, the kids will have a stronger pair bond with, uh, you know, the wet nurses or the nannies and things like that than their own mothers because their mothers don't actually um, raise them. Uh, and so she kind of does that. And then so you kind of come into, you, you come into conflict at a certain point because she's, the kids see her as their mother, but then the captain is supposed to be getting married to the uh, Baroness of uh, Vienna. So this kind of causes an issue, uh, and it's not one that Maria necessarily, tr like, she wasn't trying to, her job was to, you know, be a governess to the kids, kind of win them over, be their mother, be, you know, do their that kind of thing, and she did that, and then uh, because that, like, the, the captain kind of saw her as valuable, and, you know, that attraction kind of thing grew, and I don't think that was her intention, primarily because of the way, way that she dealt with the, uh, the thing that, <clears throat> of when it came up, so, uh, when she won, won him over, she won him over through his children, uh, and to such an extent that she won over the captain, uh, too, and not being, that not being her intention. I think if it was her intention to do so, she would not have run away during the ballroom scene uh, when she finds out that the captain has an eye for her. Uh, as for the Baroness, she was dealt an impossible hand. If the governess had remained, in, uh, remained incompetent like the ones that she had had, all the other ones that they had had before, I think they had like 16 or something like that before her, uh, then maybe she had a chance, uh, but the situation was, was already hard. So she basically, these kids had developed a, a bond with Maria, and kind of saw them as their mother, and then this other person is supposed to kind of come in and slide in, and it just wasn't going to work, it wasn't going to happen kind of thing. Uh, and she's, she had decided she was going to win over the man to get the family kind of thing. Uh, Maria decided to win over the family to get the man. Uh, you can say that was intentional or not, I, it's a toss-up in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I don't think either of them is necessarily a evil or wrong approach. Uh, you know, she wasn't necessarily sent there to do that, so you can make the argument there, but overall, th those are kind of my thoughts on it. I know it's super messy, but I don't think it's as bad or as evil or um, conniving, trickery kind of thing. Like, I think she was there to raise and help raise the kids. She did such a good job of it that the kids really, really took a liking to her. That made the captain take a liking to her, and then she ended up getting the family in the end because of that. Uh... And I don't think there was any secondary motives in how that whole thing transpired. Moving on to the B-plot, uh, where the Nazis annex Austria. Uh, this I find very interesting, as it was much more a question of national loyalty and desire to avoid tra the tragedies of World War I again than it was a dry, uh, that was the driver for Captain Von Trapp. Uh, there is a logical tension here uh, that sees itself... Uh, where he's, where the captain sees himself as an Austrian above all other nationalities, above his German, uh, because Austria is, is essentially German. So, uh, the German language is spoken in Austria, uh, Switzerland, and Germany. And one of the conflicts that happened in like the 18th, basically as, as Germany was being formed, like 1870s-ish, 
1860s was whether or not Ger uh, Austria and Germany uh, areas were going to be one united front. And the Prussians ended up winning that war, and they ended up creating uh, what was the German Empire that collapsed during World War I. Uh, and so, heritage-wise, the, Ger the German people uh, of the area that we currently know as Germany, or, or what was the German Empire before World War One, and the area in Austria are all uh, nationally and linguistically um, Germans. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't see your... Because for a long time, with the Holy Roman Empire and other things like that, this was broken down in a lot of other ways, right? So you have places like Bavaria and Saxony and Prussia, and uh, there's other ones. Uh, but anyway, so you have all those places, and you know you can see those people identifying with themselves as more like, oh, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm Bavarian, I'm Prussian, I'm before they identify as German, right? Uh, I'm a Prussian German, right? Uh, same thing in America. I'm uh, you know I'm a Virginian first and a American second. And so that's how some of these people think, and that's basically how uh, the Von Trapp, uh, Captain Von Tramp thought. He was a Austrian first and a German second, if German at all. <clears throat> he much more strongly identified with the Austrian than any other thing, and you kind of saw this throughout the movie. Uh, you know, they were singing this song Edelweiss uh, throughout the entire movie, which I had stuck in my head for literally days. It's a great song, though, so I'm not complaining. Uh, <clears throat> but... It's, it's just kind of interesting to see these different perspectives. So, uh, and it, seeing it yourself as Austrian or German is a, both a valid perspective in Austria at, at that time and still at this time. Um, so, uh, however, it is just as valid for many within this, uh, within Austria to see themselves as German, which many of them did, uh, either truly or for political purposes, uh, in the show, there is basically a guy that he sides with the, the Nazi regime, and it seems more for a political gain than uh, actual true national fervor. Uh, but then you, you have the other side where you have the kid that's basically conflicted, who is uh, Liesl's uh, kind of boyfriend. And, you know, he's he's kind of in a, in a spot where he's conflicted. He's like, you know, I see myself as German. I see myself as Austrian. I don't really know where I belong. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are kind of in that spot right now where they're they're kind of split between two worlds and they don't know which one they belong to. This happens a lot if you're uh, a multi-ethnic uh, family and you're like, okay, do I, like, I'm Irish and German, right? So it's like, do I identify as Irish? Do I identify as German? There's more Irish in than German, so I mainly identify as Irish in that regard. But, you know, you can have all these different conflicts. Uh, a great example is the United States, especially before the Civil War, of how this mentality works. A lot of people are confused as to, like, what do you mean? Because today, uh, if you are Minnesotan, you're not going to identify as a Minnesotan above an American. Uh, but back in the Civil War, and so that's something that kind of confuses people nowadays, is back in the Civil War days, they did do that, right? I identify as a Virginian over being an American, and therefore, when the secession happens, I'm going to go with the people of my state versus the people of the Union. Um, and so th this is one of the things that kind of is hard. It doesn't translate well to the... Maybe people understand it better now, but I, I remember having a hard time understanding this when I first kind of heard this concept. Uh, I think this is 
we, I remember being told this back in eighth grade, and I still have, uh, to this day, kind of a hard time conceptualizing that stuff. I, I understand it better now, but, um, you know, to, it's one thing to conceptualize, it's another to live it, as it were. Um, so, during the Civil War, the identity, identity of the state, i.e. Virginia, would be much stronger than the identity of the country, i.e. America, and so people picked sides based on uh, where they were, uh, based on that, whereas today it's the reverse. Uh, Austria or Ger- the Austrian or German question is a very similar one, uh, and I am sure the, there are Bavarians and Prussians that, have lived in, that live inside the borders of Germany today that identify more strongly with that than their German heritage, just as there are some in Austria today that identify more as German over Austrian. Uh, so I think this is a quintessential conflict in the second act of the movie, and it doesn't matter if it were the Nazis or anyone else taking over he feels like, uh, Captain Von Trapp feels like he's losing his country that he loves. And it, and as I talked about the Edelweiss song, that's where it really kind of comes through, is every single time they kind of sing that song, and it's a remembering of the, the nationalism and the, the pride of being Austrian, and the fact that that is um, going away, that might not exist any, anymore very soon, because it's, uh, Austria end up, uh, ends up getting absorbed by uh, the German em- uh, Nazi empire. There's a a uh, great line in the movie where he finds out that his telegrams are being read, uh, and he says effectively this, uh, telegrams used to be a private matter in Austria, or at least the Austria I used to know. And I find this a very relatable quote uh, in this day and age where things like the COVID regime and other and a host of other things are making it seem like the America that we used to know is gone despite uh, the name and the paperwork not changing, and that's because it is. Uh, and that is why I find the second act very powerful and relatable uh, in the current climate, and that the overall movie is great. The first half is great, the, all the music throughout the, the movie is great, and you have this kind of identity crisis that happens within the movie that uh, the captain is trying to figure out, and it's a crisis that a lot of us are probably going through right now, trying to figure out, um, you know, what our nationality is, how we identify, and... Um, you know, I, I guess a good example is the the Afghanistan and all the the stuff that's going on at there, where things got botched and, and things like that. And you know, it's uh, I think I saw a couple like Taliban uh, posts that were uh, basically like, "We are against your leaders, and we're not against the American people, right?" So like, the the soul of America is its people, and just because the people that are leading it and some of the paperwork and stuff like that that doesn't really represent America is currently running America doesn't make it American. And, uh, so in a sense, we've lost aspects of our country, but, uh, you know, the people are what make it. So that is, that is still there and that can still shine through, uh, given enough, uh, building and enough, uh, moral courage to, uh, to get that, all that. So that kind of wraps it there. Um, if you haven't watched the movie, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a great movie. Um, uh, and, uh, one good for the whole family, nothing too, too crazy or radical. Um, not really any violence or anything like that. So, uh, and the, the music's great and all that stuff. Uh, even though, well, anyway, so hopefully you guys found this interesting and, uh, thank you guys for watching. I'm on YouTube, BitChute and, uh, Podbean, um, and most other places where you can get podcasts, uh, Spotify and all that. So thank you for listening and hopefully you guys have a good day. Thank you for listening.